0: Welcome to another Week in Review on The Source podcast, episode number 83. Well, Jordan McDonald,
1: Week in Review number 83. Yeah, Week in Review number 83, but overall this will be our 93rd episode, so we're pretty close to the big hundred. Getting to a hundred. My name is Michael
0: Crutcher. A bit to talk about this week,
1: Jordan, and a special yes, guest a coming bit. on. Indeed.
0: Always like special guests. Yeah, it's
1: been a while since we've had a guest, so yes. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Plenty going on this week. We'll cover a bit of uh, AI again, a bit of Netflix. Yes. A bit of, uh, not much
1: Barbie. It's a bit of a Barbie-free zone. It has been a little bit, a bit uh, a bit like that here, hasn't it?
0: There's Barbie everywhere, it seems, but mm. we'll keep it a little bit Barbie-free today. We're going to start with a bit of federal politics, I guess, in a sense. We don't often go to Canberra. In the weekend review, but we wanted to bring it up this week because there's been a very interesting federal Senate Finance Committee hearing that has dragged in the big wigs from Australia's big consultancy groups. Now, you'll know the likes of PwC and Deloitte, and as you may know, there's blood in the water for these big consultancies. Jordan, bring us up to speed on that.
1: Yeah, so PwC has been in a massive mess of its own making with the media coverage over the allegations that PwC took confidential information it received from working with the Australian government to provide to some of its big clients that would help them to avoid paying taxes mm. and that's pretty dumb stuff really it certainly is so now we're interested in this uh, on this podcast because it's about audience engagement including during times of crisis as we always say crisis comms is not so much what you do it can really be about what you do when you're aware of a problem. That's
0: exactly right. There's a bit of a crisis comms principle there. It's not just what happens, it's about what happens afterwards. Now, yes. with PwC, what was alleged to have happened was pretty bad. Mm. So that was pretty bad. But then it made it even worse by a long, long way with its ham-fisted attempts at trying to cover up the names of who knew what, how much they knew, et cetera was a complete mess from an organisation that does charge a lot of money to advise clients on how to avoid messes. So yeah. not great for business. So when these things happen, federal Senate committees do like to get interested and ride in and muscle up. Mm-hmm. Now, the Finance Committee had already published a report entitled PwC, a calculated breach of Trusts." Oh. Sounds like a... Netflix. Co. Doesn't it? Maybe a little play on words. I don't mind. Yes. So you knew that when this week's hearings came up, they weren't going to be great for those called up, given that that was the no. nature of the title. No. So now it's important for these consultancies because we have seen in the past Arthur Anderson was just a giant of consulting, and then about twenty years ago, Arthur Anderson disappeared. It it died from a lot of negative publicity about the way it did some of its work, including with uh, Enron at the time. So. Was this going to be about PwC? Was it going to be about the Big Four consultancies as a whole? What was it going to be about? Well, let's see what happens when some of these uh, big wits turn up. It wasn't great for them. It was a train wreck. Now, in our opinion, the worst on ground in a forgettable week was the Deloitte chief executive, Adam Powick. Deloitte isn't accused of anything like PwC. What they what they've done, and we know some very good and some very professional people who work for Deloitte, they do some excellent work for Deloitte for their clients. They're very professional and, frankly, they deserved a lot better from their boss and his appearance this week. Here's how it played out. Listen to Labor Senator Deb O'Neill question Deloitte Chief Executive Adam Powick.
2: Can I just go straight to you, Mr Powick, and say at a salary of $3.5 million, are you really worth seven times the salary of the Prime Minister? Well, it's a hard
0: argument to prosecute, but it's not my um, position to talk about professions and uh, different systems. Well, Uh, well, Mr Coward, can
2: I just put it to you very clearly so that we get a good line of communication going on here, right? Yeah. This hearing is a legal precedent of the parliament A legal proceeding and the giving of false or misleading evidence is a serious matter and it may be regarded as a contempt of parliament. So, Mr Powick, are you really worth seven times the salary of the Australian Prime Minister? No.
0: Come on, man. You just folded. Folded like that. What? It's almost unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All the preparation you must have for a Senate committee, you get a question like that from a senator, and you can't fend it off. Yeah, your middle stump's gone. First ball, you're out. What happens after that is not so great. So let's go to Joe Aston. Now, Joe Aston is the real window columnist in the Australian Financial Review. Aston is simply the most interesting columnist in the country. He tells it with a brutality that's sadly lacking these days with mainstream media that doesn't have the budgets it used to have, okay? So it doesn't have what it used to have to be able to take on, I guess, columns that might be a bit edgy, defamatory, yeah. you know? So, But rear window goes at it. Here's what Aston wrote about PowerX performance. He writes, let's just back up here for a moment. This guy has paid $3.5 million to lead an organisation employing 13,500 people, generating $2.5 billion of annual revenue. In the days before this hearing, he's presumably endured hours of practice interrogation by his army of PR people, and at the first pulse of cognitive pressure, the first inkling of heat he folds in a heap, melts into a puddle like a chocolate teapot. (laughs) Now, Aston says this is what he should have said. Who cares what I'm paid compared to the PM? Since when has there been any yardstick for private sector CEOs to be compared to the Prime Minister? The PM's salary of 564 grand doesn't take into account his two luxury residences. Very mm-hmm. nice one, Kira Good views there. Yeah. Uh, they're my words. Um, two private jets and more than 50 personal staff. Humble Adam almost always flies commercial and pays his chef and full-time gardener out of his after-tax income. <laughs> Powick should have said, I provide tens of millions of dollars of value to my clients over the course of the year and I make no apology for receiving my fair share. I also stopped the firm doing stupid stuff that would cost us tens of millions of dollars a year unlike the revolving door of donkeys running PWC. Wow. Pretty brutal stuff. God, he, he writes, up, doesn't he, Adam? Mate, there's more where these lines came from. I'm available anytime. <laughs> so let's look at Aston's also appraisal of former Australian PwC boss Luke Sayers, who was boss at the time the alleged misbehaviour began in Australia. He didn't like uh, an initial comment from Sayers, so he writes, "Sayers needs some advice to be sure. Someone needs to tell him." that having his lips suctioned to the backsides of the Melbourne establishment does not make him a member of the Melbourne establishment. He is just another tedious chancer, a rat with a gold tooth, a rabid networker, it's oft observed, and what sort of human quality is that? The man either feels no responsibility for the cultural decay of PwC or just doesn't want to talk about it. What a guy. At least, finally, we can all see the real Luke Sayers. Jeez. That's a fair takedown. That's a fair roast. So the lesson here is that Crisis Communications takes a whole bunch of steps when you entangle yourself in a mess that PwC found itself in. And those who floundered before the Senate committee this week really should have gone back and watched the command performance from Kerry Packer in 1991. Packer was called before a House of Reps select committee looking into regulating ownership of Australian media. Here's a question from one of the MPs to Kerry Packer. The clicking you will hear in this audio clip is from Packer stirring a teaspoon in a cup of coffee he's made for himself. Talk about relaxed, talk about brutal, and talk about the way that you should handle yourself when you come before a federal parliamentary committee and your company and you are under the spotlight as the nation's media looks on. Here's how it's done. What the Four Corners program suggested was not that you were evading tax at all, that would have been libelous, but that you were minimising tax. There's nothing wrong with minimising tax. I don't know anybody who doesn't minimise their tax. And that you were doing so in in ways that were were contrary to the spirit of the law. Well, I just got through telling you what I thought about that. And what you're saying is exactly what the Four Corners program says. I am not evading tax in any way, shape or form. Now, of course I am minimising my tax, and if anybody in this country doesn't minimise their tax, they want their heads read. Because as a, as a government, I can tell you, you're not spending it that well that we should be donating extra. Ooh, okay, we'll move on to the next topic, Jordan, and it's AI. We haven't spoken about AI for a little while here, but it's worth updating at the moment.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's going to be about open AI because there's been a few rumblings over there. Uh, This week, the US Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC, is an agency that focuses on protecting um, uh, consumers and promoting fair competition. They told OpenAI it had opened an investigation into whether the company had engaged in unfair or deceptive privacy or data security practices in scraping public data or caused harm by publishing false information through its chatbot yeah. products. We've brought up a couple of those examples over the last few months. Yes. So OpenAI has been told to supply all complaints it's received of its products making false, misleading, disparaging or harmful statements about people. It's also been asked to provide records related to a security incident that OpenAI disclosed in March. And I missed this one, admittedly. Yeah. So that incident was a bug in ChatGPT, which is its main program, yep. and it allowed a small percentage of paid users to see payment information of other paying users online at the same time during a specific nine-hour window. Okay, a bit of a slip-up there. Yes. So this, I reckon this whole situation with the FTC was inevitable you know they've been very outspoken about their desire to keep AI in line with consumer protection, consumer protection law. Yeah, one of the developments this week as well
0: that's going to help in terms of accuracy was a really interesting deal signed with AP, Associated Press.
1: Yeah. So this this news broke last week just before or during last week's episode actually so the press the associated press announced that they've reached a 2-year deal with OpenAI to share access to select news content and technology and the deal means OpenAI will license some of the Associated Press's high-quality factual text tech yep. archive or sorry, text archive as far back as 1985 which will help improve the capabilities and usefulness of OpenAI's systems in return the Associated Press will get access to OpenAI's technology and product expertise to develop its own automation within its news production. So it also wants to become an industry leader in developing standards and best practices for generative AI in the newsroom. That's an interesting partnership. It can only help uh, open AI. Yeah. I mean, AP is seen
0: as, you know, just the, the facts. It's straight mm-hmm. up. It's, it's yep. not opinion. So given that I think one of the very early things that was done with chat GPT it got the wrong Australian Prime Minister who disappeared into the sea never to be seen again yeah so there are definitely some uh, accuracy issues so that will help it and it seems as though this AI is coming at us so fast and an interesting announcement this week to do with Microsoft and I guess the uh, the the programs we most often use Microsoft Word Excel the Mm. Office thing but what happened there?
1: Yeah, so Microsoft's getting pretty close now to uh, giving us its AI, uh, generative AI, I should say, called Copilot. But alongside that information, it's revealed that it's going to cost us, cost us quite a bit to use it. So the, the Copilot AI will be integrated, as you mentioned, into the Microsoft 365 service, which gives us Word, Excel, PowerPoint all those things and it'll let businesses do things like instantly summarize documents, yep. generate emails and speed up Excel analysis for example. Um, so it's obviously aimed at businesses who have current subscriptions with Microsofts for its uh, productivity tools. Um, looking at the costs as it stands I looked at this earlier the Microsoft 365 Enterprise E3 and E5 Yeah, those plans cost a business between $52.20 and $78.30 per user per month. Okay. When Copilot comes out, it'll be an additional $44 premium per user per month. So the pricing's pretty high and the pricing's high because of Microsoft's investment in building out this AI and getting it off the floor. The company's invested billions in its own um, open AI partnership to get it all moving. And it's also working pretty hard to develop its own processing chips because currently it's relying on nvidia's chips to power these ai features yeah so they're hoping to make their own and bring costs down but look the ultimate goal with copilot is clearly to make the workplace more productive for organizations but it's predicted that there's going to be less uptake than hoped for given the current price point and i tend to agree
2: I'm
0: interested in it though because if it's an extra forty-four dollars a month, mm-hmm. and you can do things that say they would normally take one of your staff members two hours, and they take two seconds, yeah, there's really some potential value to the business. Then there is. Uh, there's probably concerns as you know about does does it take jobs? But mm-hmm. as we sort of said, that's
1: the next thing. Yeah,
0: history's shown us that humans adapt and human fire humans find way to get jobs. I mean the industrial revolution didn't make us all layabouts so no not at all so interesting development not unexpected and let's just see what we can do with that when it starts for microsoft office jordan we've got a special guest this week always one of my favorite parts of the podcast and it's none other than the media mogul himself publisher of themusic.com.au and many other things steven green welcome
2: Thank you. A favourite part of the podcast. I I thought you were going to get me to do the New Idea magazine. That's my favourite part.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we we try and mix it up where we can, Greedy. There's nothing better than having you on the podcast, Greedy. Where do we find you today? What are media moguls doing on Friday lunchtimes?
2: What do you you think Friday lunchtimes is for for anybody, let alone media moguls? We're at at Stone and Wood uh, Brewery in Fortitude Valley about to uh, tuck into a celebratory beer.
0: Celebratory Greeny What's happening What are you celebrating Friday Friday Of course
2: Of course
0: (laughs) Of course Now we've got you on You did a very good piece Last week Greeny To do with young people Listening to radio On themusic.com.au We'll put the link In the notes Jordan Will we Yeah It's worth a read Greeny We did mention some of this Last week with Triple J But we've got to get you on Because you've done this In depth as you always have And looked really at radio around the country and i guess what young people are doing with it what they're listening to what were the findings greenie what what surprised you from your in-depth look at this
2: yeah well, as you know i always like to to look at the reality of things and the real numbers rather than the, the industry hype around stuff there's a lot of a lot of media covering off on how triple j is dying and the you know young people aren't listening anymore and young people don't listen to the radio but uh, I think if you, if you actually look at the, the numbers that are being presented and, and do some math there, there's actually uh, a really healthy amount of people that are, that are listening to the radio at any one time. One of the, the things that we did there was that we pulled apart um, the average listenership. Uh, so, you know, every, every 15 minute period, how many people are actually listening at any one time on the, uh, on the radio? discovered that around the country if, uh, at any one time on commercial radio, You've got around 330,000 uh, people uh, under the age of, uh, of uh, uh, well under 40, that are that are listening to the radio, and you've also got um, you know another 50,000 that are that are listening to Triple J. Uh, but, you know, these this is at any one time, yeah. and across the as we know, young people have, have got a lot of lot of stuff on. So. They're, they're listening to the, the radio a little bit less in terms of the, the amount of time every time they switch the radio on than older people. But across the month, you, you're talking about millions and yeah, millions of people yeah. that are still tuning in. And I think you know, it's worth having a look at those numbers to sort of you know bounce back off the off the general narrative there that young people are, are too busy on TikTok or, or too busy on um, Threads. Uh, to, 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 be, to be listening to the radio because the, the numbers just don't bear it out. And I think, um, you know, while, while it, it may go up and down over time, as an advertising medium, um, certainly not Triple J, obviously no, no advertising there, but, um, you know, radio in more generally, yeah, it is still a mass medium that, that you can get to young people on.
1: Does it differ from capital city to city?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's generally that the number of young people listening to radio in general is fairly static across um, across the cities. There's some um, there's some obvious differences where, you know, for example, in Adelaide, Triple J are really struggling right now. Um, but the the flip side of that is that there's a whole bunch more young people listening to Nova. So I think there's there's obviously changes from market to market, but radio as a category is um, is still reasonably healthy in, in every place. And, and generally, the, you know, those come down to you know, individual market conditions where you, know, you, you, you may have um, you know, a, a Nova breakfast show, for example. You know, Perth would be a great example where you know, Triple J used to be really dominant over there in young demographics, but Nova as a station is just so ubiquitously dominant over there now that um, that's eating into their... Share, but um, yeah, there's there's definitely um, yeah I, I think we saw this week with uh, an interesting appointment at, at uh, ABC Radio with Ben Latimer who used to be mm-hmm. uh, the head of content over at, uh, at Nova yeah. um, going into that newly uh, created position. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of talk around music about what that might mean for Triple J, but I think uh, yeah the ABC's got a lot more issues on their plate with ABC local radio that probably need fixing before they turn their attention to Triple J, I would think.
0: Greenie, radio's been remarkably resilient over the last decade, I say, so, hasn't it? And we've seen, obviously, the struggles for newspapers. We've seen, obviously, the traditional broadcast TV come up against streaming, etc. But, G radio's managed to, off an expectation that it was probably going to hurt the most, it's managed to truck along pretty well compared comparatively, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think that comes down to having a captive listenership, and yeah, as long as the majority of cars um, have an FM radio in them, and people have to jump in the car to go to work, um, then then you're going to have a really strong listenership because there's not a lot of other options, and and people in general are, you know, reasonably lazy. You can say, and you know, until you're blue in the face, that you could, you know, you can connect with Bluetooth, and you can, you know, do. You know, yeah. even the simple act of picking up a CD and putting it in the drive, uh, the drive. Look at that in the in the CD player. Uh, the yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, th- these are these are actions that uh, that seem very easy to do, but when you jump in the car in the morning, it's just way easier to not touch the dial and and listen to you know, Kyle and Jackie O or, or your mate Lutzi or whoever's happening to to be on there at the time, and that's just the way that that humans. Operate, and you can see that if you look at the ratings that happened over COVID, um, you know there were there were some serious shifts in listening where talk radio went up significantly and music rating uh, ratings went down because yep. Yep. people are still sitting there during COVID wanting to hear information and and you know hear what's going on. So you know particularly older demographics are still tuning into Ray Hadley or you know, you know whoever it, they're, they're getting their information from. So and in, in bigger numbers potentially whereas they're not jumping in the car to drop the kids at school so they don't have Robin Bailey on on in the background anymore and you saw that shift happen um, across there and now I think we're we're seeing the correction of that um, where music stations over the last year or so have made a reasonably remarkable comeback and um, you know to the point where you know in Sydney you see Kyle and Jackie O Stopping then for them, although then came back and or you, nixed them again. This yeah, this book that you covered that last week. So Greenie,
0: <laughs> it's always great to get your insights, particularly when you rush away from the dining table there at the brewery to give us your time. Very generous of you, Greeny and We can read all of this oh, stuff. Nothing
2: will get me away, from, from, other than speaking about statistics and radio. <laughs>
0: And we can read it all on themusic.com.au among your many media outlets, Greeny. Absolutely. Thanks, Greeny. We look forward to catching up again.
2: No problem. Have a good one, guys.
0: Okay, Jordan. Netflix is coming up, but also in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening with the strike in the US, the actors' strike, the screenwriters' strike, we're at the start of the new TV season in the US as, uh, in, in their summer over there. So what's been happening with that question about, well, what goes on these, these schedules for these big TV networks over there when there's a strike on?
1: Exactly right. So one of the newsletters I read, uh, read each week, it shared the CBS TV season schedule now following the, the recent decision by the actors to go on strike. I think it's an interesting thing to look at, given how rare the situation is in Hollywood. You've still got to fill 24 hours of programming a day. That's exactly it. So the Paramount global-owned CBS... Is uh is what was shared and it's relying on its content library, particularly its winner and a favourite of mine, Yellowstone. Oh,
0: are you a Yellowstone fan? I am a Yellowstone fan, I do we've enjoy never, it. We've never had this conversation.
1: No, I didn't know you were I'm assuming you're a Yellowstone fan. No, I'm not. I I I know it's there, uh, but I haven't watched it. Talk about a come up and a
0: letdown. How far into the series are oh, you? It's oh, today. I'm waiting you? for the last
1: season. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avid viewer. Really? Yep. Okay, I might have to try that one then. It's pretty good. Um, But look, Sunday nights will be led by Yellowstone, which is making its broadcast TV debut. Okay, so from streaming into the free-to-air schedule. that's it. Um, With such huge audiences on the Paramount Global-owned Paramount TV channel, a lot of people have probably already watched the show, but re-airing it will likely help it find a new audience. Yeah, of course. And great timing too ahead of the final season and upcoming spin-off. Uh, NCIS, FBI, Young Sheldon. I haven't watched that yet. Uh, I think we've discussed that before, actually. Yeah, we have. Yes. And Blue Bloods are each being repeated. The Paramount oh. Plus original SEAL team will stream Paramount Plus era episodes on CBS. Uh, there's a show called Ghosts on the schedule, which I haven't heard of, but it's very popular, apparently. It's a UK original show. Okay. So there'll be some foreign accents that'll hit yep. the CBS. Network, repeats of FBI are being paired with a reality show, FBI True, which is from co-creator of FBI, Craig Turk. haven't seen that. Nor have I. Um, But here's maybe the most interesting. It's the slot in 10pm on Mondays. It's yet to be revealed what's going to go there. It could end up being a Paramount Plus original, but the guy who writes this newsletter reckons it'll be a show called NCIS Sydney, is yet to receive a launch date, the show, but it makes all the sense in the world, he reckons, because it'll uh, line up a uh, launch with the old school NCIS as the lead in. Okay.
0: Very interesting to see that. And Netflix, it's obviously the streaming services, uh, you know, <coughs> been obviously a key discussion point in these strikes and the revenues and so forth. Netflix has put some numbers out, we always talk about. These Netflix quarterly numbers. What have they told us? They came out yesterday.
1: Yeah, so there's probably four key takeaways. Um, the big one: they added 5.9 million subscribers. So heading into the earnings report, investors were pretty curious about how the company's crackdown on password sharing would boost yes. subscriber growth. That's right. So this is the
0: first one yes. since
1: they cracked down on mm-hmm. not letting people share passwords from different geographic locations. Exactly right. And now we know it's been pretty good. The numbers are strong. Netflix added. 5.9 million subscribers in the quarter, just one year after it lost nearly a million subscribers. It so it's a pretty nice turnaround. I'm sure they're pleased. Yeah. However, they narrowly missed on revenue. So its stock is down 8% as Wall Street remains a little concerned about streaming profits that are plaguing the industry at large. Yeah. So analysts said the disappointing profits suggest that new subscribers are choosing Netflix's lower-priced plans.
0: Okay. So... Now, Sorry, you're right. Yeah, so I'm interested in this because it's going to happen obviously in Australia as well to see what
1: happens about that. But what about their overall uh, earnings? So the cash flow, they've got more free cash flow. We had Netflix, the first major media company to report the earnings this quarter actually amid the chaos with through Hollywood at the moment. It uh, it upped its free cash flow $1.5 billion. To approximately five billion for the year. Okay,
0: that's good with uh, cash there.
1: Yeah, so the company said lower cash, lower cash content spend because of the ongoing strikes, because they've brought content production to an absolute standstill. Now what
0: about the move on one of the ad-free plans here because we've been looking at that there's been the Netflix with ads in it with a cheaper mm-hmm. cheaper option but there's also the ones where you don't pay for for ads you pay more what's been happening there Yes
1: yeah, so this one doesn't directly affect us here in Australia but it's goodbye to the 9.99 ad-free plan So ahead of the earnings call Netflix axed its cheapest ad-free option in the US and okay. the UK so the plan offered at $9.99 per month is no longer available to new customers. But those who've previously previously subscribed won't be impacted, which is good news for them. So the decision to cut the bare bones plan is aimed at pushing subscribers into that price tier toward the ad supported yeah. model, which is priced at six ninety nine per month. The company has said previously, the ad-supported model performed better on the economics, sorry, than the $9.99 ad-free. So learning a lot about viewer
0: habits there with those different models in place. Now, you wanted to bring up this one to close out. And sorry, Greenie, we're not doing the magazines today. No. But we've got a little thing to finish off with. But TikTok music, now this has been happening around the place. It's worth mentioning.
1: Yeah, I was laying in bed late one night and came across this story and I missed it because it's it's initially two weeks old, but um, it crossed me this week because it now impacts Australia. I found out that um, TikTok has launched its own subscription only – Music streaming service which will sync with your TikTok account. Okay. So you'll listen, download, share songs, and it's actually pulling from some pretty massive music libraries. So you've got you know Universal Music, Warner signed on very recently, and Sony Music's already involved. Um, at the moment, it's in like a beta beta testing phase. Yeah. So you know that means invite only. You either get invited or you can request it, and they accept. Yeah. I have requested and have not been accepted oh, yet. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd like to have a look. Yeah, for um, sure. When it does finally go public, though, it's going to cost us eleven ninety nine per month. Right. Okay. But the big emphasis here from TikTok is around the music discovery and the, the same way that it, uh, you know, shows us videos we like. Yep. It plans to show us more music we like. So okay. it'll be interesting to see how the rivals spotify apple music the amazons how they respond here because TikTok's tick proven that it's a pretty serious competitor i am looking for revenue as well obviously so if it yeah. can get revenue out of uh sort
0: of spin-offs like this with music that's obviously helps in a pretty competitive space you know it's it's great to have all of those all those users but in the end it comes down to what you can get out of them money-wise so obviously a bit of something different now we mentioned at the start it was a bit of a Barbie free zone. It's been all Barbie and Oppenheimer movie wise this week, hasn't it? It's been sort of everywhere.
1: It has, it has, it is everywhere. I'm seeing more Oppenheimer than I am Barbie, though. So Oppenheimer, three hours. Mm, yeah, we looked it up the other day. Are you going to go for a three hour movie? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm more interested to see Oppenheimer than I have been previous movies. But three hours bites. It really, really bites. I did read a review, and the reviewer
0: said that three hours goes really fast. It's edited in a really fast pace,
2: which is right. interesting
0: from a three hour movie to edit it in a quick pace. A fast three gotta hours. Got to keep it up. But the reviewer, uh, who is not someone who hands out high marks hmm. often, did give this movie an A and said it was just fantastic.
1: Uh, okay.
0: So I'm almost tempted to see it, but then if it's three hours, it's of half an hour getting there from your house, half an hour getting home, half an hour of ads first. Uh, the ads it becomes like a it becomes like a four five hour ordeal yeah, 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 like yeah. a half day uh, working deal to go and see a movie. Yep, I don't know. I will never see Barbie.
1: Yeah, fair call.
0: I can't imagine any way I would ever see Barbie.
1: Yeah. Fair enough for you. I reckon I'll be forced in at some point. Well, that'd be great for the podcast. You can tell us what happened. Yeah, I will. I'll let you know. Love to take your word for
0: it. Uh, I (laughs) will never see it, but I'm sure it'd make a lot of money. What's the weekend like for you, uh, Barbie aside?
1: Uh, Weekend for me is empty. I think Shannon and I are going from work here this afternoon down the coast uh, around Kazarina Kingscliff. Oh, nice. Yeah, her, um, her grandfather has an apartment around the area, so we might go pop in there because Splendor's on at the moment. Yes. So Splendor. we're going to steer clear of that. Yes. Um, but I also took the weekend off work just because no one's really here in Brisbane. Yeah, it's Splendor. And I'm not going to Splendor, so let's just find somewhere else. <laughs> and a dry Splendor, too, I'm guessing. Yeah, dry so far. So yeah, far. of course. Yeah, but numbers are down. So I'm interested to see how it all goes. Well, enjoy the weekend. You too.